Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. I'm messing with my phone here, which I broke over the weekend, cracked the screen. Got to figure out if I can go get that thing fixed. Today's an anniversary of sorts. I mean, I don't know if it's officially an anniversary. It's probably been a leap year in there somewhere along the line. But it was six years ago on the 25th, which is tomorrow, that we first launched Coach Dave Live. Mike Heath was there and Larry was either there the first day or came in shortly thereafter. I don't even know how Larry got connected to it. And uh, that would be what? I'm looking down here. Would that be 1,560 shows? Would that be right? That would be the number, I think. So I didn't know whether to celebrate it today or whether to celebrate it on the actual birthday, which would be tomorrow, the 25th. But uh, let's celebrate it anyway. So this begins the sixth year of Coach Dave Live dot com man oh man we could do some reminiscence some of you've been in there that would be a great show to do someday maybe it's how you found us how you found all of us there's a lot there man a lot there man we had some great activity going this weekend let me do a little bit of legwork or homework here before we get diving into what i really want to talk about today i did i dropped the phone yesterday it's cold down where we were down in uh well someplace in kentucky i can't remember the name of the place and i dropped my phone it cracked Snow and it's cold, so I got to get that thing fixed today. Richmond, uh, Richmond, thank you, sweetheart. Uh, Betty was there, Richmond, uh, Kentucky. We had the Kentucky Salt and Light Brigade huddle there. We went and saw the Ark. I got to tell you, I was the Ark's been there for quite a while. The Ark, the Ark encounter, and I, I thought I don't want to go. I don't want to go see the Ark. I don't want to go see talking snakes, and I don't want to go see that stuff. But uh, because they planned that this weekend, I thought, okay, well, I'll go down there. Then I can tell everybody I've been to the Ark. And uh, it was, a, folks, if you have not been to the Ark Encounter, you got to go to the Ark Encounter. Because as Mike, he said, Mike was down there. Mike and Polly were down there. As Mike said, judgment is all over it. It's not It's not happy two shoes. Everybody smiles, rainbows and tulips everywhere you look. It wasn't that at all. It was actually all about the judgment of God and and. It's that's, that's such a powerful job of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Refuting fake science. Fake science, Darwinism, all of that. This thing is so, it's so powerful. You walk in, you walk in, it's huge, it's massive. You walk in and you see how they put the animals inside their little crates and their little cages and, they, and all of a sudden it comes to life. See, my goodness, they could have all, they could have had all those animals in there. They really could have. They take you through a scientific lesson. It's, I mean, it's it's massive and it's huge. And I would suggest everybody, if you get the chance, go see the Ark Encounter. And another thing that was pretty amazing about two things that were amazing about it. Number one, they raised a hundred million private dollars to build it. Hundred million. 
hundred million. And then they made a, a determination that they weren't going to make uh, the media rich by advertising. They just kind of do word of mouth advertising and very selective advertising. You won't see them on any of the major networks. The Ark Encounter, they won't do, they won't do that. And people are flocking there in droves. Now, we were lucky there weren't a whole lot there this weekend. I don't know why we could actually get through it. But man, oh, man, oh, man, there's some great stuff that went on there. I suggest everybody go to the Ark Encounter. So we did the Ark Encounter. Then we had a a, um, huddle all day afternoon. Bobby Lee did a great job. Linda Tibbs, OJ and Dorita were there. All the Jim was there. I I mean, it was we had a great turnout. Gary Donahoe and his wife drove all the way down from Pennsylvania. They were there. Betty was there. Michelle was there. I was there. Heaths were there. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to forget. I hate it. It's a wonderful time. And you know what's really wonderful about it? The fellowship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. John Brockoff was there. I forget John. I said Dorita and OJ. And it was, uh, it was a great weekend. Great. We had a church service yesterday. And if I get a chance, I want to talk a little bit. I want to do a little bit of uh, reminiscing in regards to that. Some of you out there need to begin scheduling huddles. We need to get more of them because Chad had one going on. David Hevner was there. Michelle yelled down at me. David Hevner and his wife came and their son Abram came. John Diamond. John Diamond was there, Betty. What's that? Reggie was there. I don't think of Reggie. Reggie and Dennis and their kids. It was, oh, my God, it was great. It was great. Uh, That was church, by the way. Just being with those guys, that's church. And so it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time to be down there. At the same time, Chad was having an event going on in Texas. The Texas Salt and Light Brigade got together down there. And Chad, I don't know if you're up this morning. How, how'd that thing go? Did you have a lot, a lot of folks rolling there? Yeah, we had a good turnout. And, uh, you know, the weather uh, somewhat cooperated, but we, we packed them in the house when we needed to. And we were able to go outside a little bit in the afternoon. So. Uh, good. For, uh, we hadn't met since uh, probably late November or mid-November, whatever. And so, I mean, everybody was, I don't know, the fellowship was overflowing, you know. <laughs> so it was a good meeting, good meeting, good time. And Ohio Brett popped in down there, right? Yeah, Ohio Brett. Brett came. He came Friday. We stayed the whole weekend. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a inspirational to have him here. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of good insight and, and uh uh, it's a good fellowship, and it's also good. We got we talked about the Christian Revolution quite a bit, and you know, just trying to uh, move the needle on that thing. We'll get there, man. We're going to do it. Appreciate you doing that, Chad. You've been at this a long time, as, as you guys know. I met Chad Estes when uh, the Obergefell case, the Supreme Court of the, of the United States, when they were deciding the, the gay marriage thing. We held a rally. In, at the Supreme Court, Chad drove all the way. Chad and Michelle drove all the way from from uh, Texas. First time I'd met him, and the rest, as they say, is history. Chad gets a he gets his fifth, sixth varsity letter here this year. I don't know what it would be. Myra, Rusty, and Craig, they were all over Washington D.C. because they had a what was a, exactly what was the name of that event that was going on there, Craig or Myra? What did they call that event that was taking place in D.C. Five percent. Say they're vaccinated and boosted. Everybody wants to say we're extremists. Uh, Myra, can you fill uh, us in? What what was it, Craig? Yeah, it, vaccine push on Friday. Is vaccine mandate? 
Myra can go. She can. T- she can say it. Well, it was in regard to Doctor Malone's, um, the one who invented MMR, and there were a whole bunch of doctors. We calculated there were around one hundred thirty-five thousand, about medium-sized st- stadium. So, um, a lot of freedom lovers, and it was great. So the event was what? What was the event uh, called, Craig? What can you help me with that? Stop the mandates. Stop the okay. mandate. Thank you. Stop the mandate Stop. rally. Right. And uh, what they did is they had uh, Robert of- F. Kennedy was there, Doctor Malone, yeah. some good speakers. Yeah, uh, one guy who's a redheaded comic. Uh, then they had some other people. Oh, yeah. uh, it was, you know, it was it was great. Yeah, you know, we're sitting there at the uh, uh, steps, Lincoln Memorial. Um, I'm going to say there was somewhere between twenty to thirty thousand people, you know, and uh, you know, <clears throat> what what I sensed is is there there is a the spirit, the Holy Spirit is working through people that don't know that they have the Holy Spirit. They don't, okay? They're, they they just know about freedom, and uh, yeah, that's right, that's and, right. And 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 then there's a uh, there's a frustration and there's an anger in people, and it's starting to bubble up. It is coming out. They're losing. I got some stuff to show you today if we get a chance to get around to it. Folks, they're losing. We are winning. Listen, we are winning. Doesn't mean we won. All right? Momentum has shifted. I don't know. Uh, just like in a, in a football game. They've had a long time to drive their field down, their team down the field, and we're finally putting up a defense to get in, against it. We're beginning to push back. We are beginning to turn the tide in a lot of different directions that I can show you with some stuff I have here today. But the game isn't over. Game in over. Momentum swings here, back and forth, back and forth. So, uh, Craig, Craig, I appreciate you guys. And, Craig, I'm coming out that way this weekend. What do we have going on in Maryland this weekend, Craig? So maybe, Spencer, you can pull that up there for us. I think I sent the leak. Just go to events. What's going well, on there in uh, D.C.? Well, Coach, uh, you know, one is if people want to, um, you know, get a hotel, there's one called the uh, Ramada Inn, and there's going to be a, a, a restaurant called the Fireside Restaurant. So we're going to be have, having dinner there night uh, night before if you want to Friday night, uh, join us. Friday night. Friday night, yes, sir. And so then on Saturday, um, you know, I'm getting calls from people that uh, I don't know because uh, Rusty and I have been out here promoting this. Went to Annapolis a week or two ago, and uh, there was a mandate uh, mask uh, thing right there at the beginning of the legislature in Maryland. And so we're starting to uh, – realize there's other folks that might be somewhat like-minded maybe they don't uh maybe they're believers but we're not looking at it from um uh uh an evangelical part of it you know but we are an evangelical don't get me wrong i mean we're about the lord and christ what we're doing but there are people out here that are doing good work and we're going to come alongside them and we're going to support Amen. them and we're going to ask them to support us and so i'm getting calls from people it's like uh you know uh, where did you hear about this? You know, of course, Bobby, Bobby's got a big email list and, uh, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. and it's, so, but I'm thinking we're going to have somewhere, uh, just the numbers of people that have called me around 50. That'd be great, Craig. And in fact, it was one of the things we spoke about after our meeting on Saturday is how do we draw more people? How do we do that? Uh, and the truth of it is there are a lot of people who are awake and a lot of people will want to get involved, but they don't trust anybody. Right. So if I see a flyer, Craig puts out a flyer about this meeting in, in Hagerstown, uh, that might really pique my interest. 
but I don't know if I have the courage just to go if I don't know anybody there, right? So we have to figure out a way to bridge, uh, uh, build bridges across some of these 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 rivers or whatever, and be, begin to pull people together. So, hey, Craig, even if it's only ten or fifteen of us, we'll be there. I'm going to be there, and uh, I, I look forward to it. So appreciate all of you out there. By the way, uh, we haven't mentioned much about Rusty. Rusty's done a lot of legwork. Rusty, if you're out there listening, buddy, we appreciate it. All the legwork that you've done to to bring this thing together. And then I was looking at the schedule. Schedule goes dead, folks. After January, we don't have a whole lot of stuff going on until we get into the uh, to the spring hours. Now, one of uh, one of the things that we did, we made a decision. We're going to do down in Texas. We're going to uh, we're going to plan out. Here, listen, we have to draw more people, folks. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And so we're going to try to uh, down in the Texas Salt and Light Brigade to help that expand a little bit. We're going to we're going to actually put on an event. We're going to bring in uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny or somebody like that, Doctors Carrie Madey or whatever, and we're going to do an event on uh, whether it be vaccines. Who knows what we're going to be in two months, right? Who knows what's going to go on? But we're going to get it in a nice venue. Do let's do some advertising and try to draw some more people there. So again, that we can begin to to uh, reach across the aisle and find people who are on our side who aren't necessarily connected to us. So, man, this is a tough thing trying to connect all these things together. But uh, we're going to continue to try. That. Betty, come on in. Uh, good morning, crew. I just wanted to say something about the ARC for your information, that it would be really a good thing if you went to see the Creation Museum first, because I tell you what, it really puts a lot of things in perspective. And by the way, they're not not—they're not close. I mean, they're they are uh, at least a half hour apart. The, uh, the, uh, the um, Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, both done by Answers in Genesis, can't hand, but they're not next door. Not next door. And it takes, uh, <clears throat> folks, it's expensive, okay? It's about like 50, 54 bucks or something like that to get into it. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's worth it. Hey, Mark Trump, you sent me a text here about Noah. What were you, what were you going to say? Do you want me to read this? Or can you explain what you sent to me, Mark? said, and Noah went and seated himself by the door of the ark. And of all flesh that crouched before him, he brought into the ark. And all that stood upon him, he left upon the earth. And a lioness came with her two whelps, male and female. And three crouched before Noah. And two whelps rose up against the lioness and smote her. And made her flee from her place. And she went away and returned to their places and crouched upon the earth. Before Noah. That's from Jasher, Book of Jasher, chapter 6, verse 4. By the way, again, Reggie turned me on this weekend to the Ethiopian Bible, which is the oldest known manuscript. You guys are you guys aware of that? The Ethiopian Bible? And it has rather than 66 books, it has 55 books of it, one of them being the book of Jasher. And I purchased that online at eBay. So Reggie, me put me onto that. Mark, do you have a follow up on this thing at all that you just sent me? Just a couple notes. About fifty percent of the exhibits at that ark exhibit are dinosaurs. So fifty percent of the animals yeah. are. I could, so Mark, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't right, believe so, that there were dinosaurs. Yeah. Now Leviticus eleven, they were all listed in the unclean batch in Leviticus eleven. So if you go through the ark, you're thinking two by two and seven by seven. Seven unclean and two clean. 
I mean, two unclean and seven clean. That's, yeah, that's the way right. it's written. It's that's why it's in written. the King James. But look, the first animals that show up come in a three pack: a lioness and her two cubs. Wow. <laughs> the cubs ran the mother away. These are Nephilim people. These are unclean. They oh, sat at the no. earth at the feet of Noah. And then what happens? On day seven, the door closes. Who's defending the ark from all of the Nephilim trying to get on? The in, the animals. Oh, the beast oh. of the earth defended the ark is what Jasher states. So these are just tidbits that make that oh. ark exhibit even more fascinating. But you know what? I... I... Mark, that's one of the things that popped out at me. There was no mention of the fallen angels and Nephilim or anything in the ark, which, you know, those of us who studied it think that was a big part of why the earth was flooded. But it's not, not mentioned. It'd probably be too controversial to do that. Listen, folks, good it's catch, a fabulous. Good catch. Yep, it's a fabulous, fabulous experience. Uh, by the way, David Hevner is joining me today on my Brideon show. Folks, uh, he did a fabulous job. He's one of the speakers on, on Saturday, came and spoke to us and. I, I don't know if you know this or not. David Heavener's basically been banned from California. He's not living in, in Louisville with his family. And when he goes back there, man, oh, man, they're after him simply because he is uh, he's one of us. He's a rebel. So, again, 11 o'clock today, David Heavener is going to join us. And I want to I, I show something. David Heavener, he, he connected a dot for me that I had never connected. I love the movie Rocky. Well, David, when he spoke on Saturday, he, he was making a comparison about, you know, where we are and the long fight that we're in and the underdog and all that kind of stuff. And he was talking about Rocky Balboa, and I, I love that. I love the first Rocky. They were all good, but I loved the first one more than any of them because it was just so daggone pure when it came out, you know. It was new and it was pure and it was hokey. It was made for very little money, but it was good. And David Heavener was telling was said something that I had never ever in my life connected. And I want to show you two clips today and see if you guys connect the ultimate message. Well, I'm going to tell you the ultimate message. I'm going to play it in reverse. In fact, Spencer, pull up and say, play the final scene first. Okay? This is the final scene. Rocky is won. He's got the belt. Adrian's sitting at home. Started at the two-minute mark. The very first one, Spencer. Not this one. That, that's that's the, not that one, buddy. Start the fir- the other one first. It says, "Yes, listen, right? Uh, yes, go ahead and play." Oh, that's all right. So here's Rocky. After now, listen. You got to listen to what he says, okay? Because I think this is this was so profound when 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 David when David Heavener said this, okay? Go ahead, go ahead and play that. Uh, this is Rocky. I can't believe this has happened. I can't. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. I want to thank, thank Mickey for training me. We love you, Rock! And I love you, too. Most of all, I want to thank God. Except for my kid being born. This is the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! 
No, I missed it. I missed it. The whole time that I've I've used this line over and yo, Adrian, we did it. Over and over and over, I've used that line, and I missed the significance of it. So in order to get the significance of it, by the way, David Hevner didn't point this out to me. The Holy Spirit revealed this to me as I was listening to David Hevner speak. So now we go back to before the fight. Yo, Adrian, we did it! We go back to before the fight. The night before the fight, Rocky walks into the stadium. He's looking around, and all of a sudden he's overwhelmed by the job that's in front of him. And he realizes he can't win. He realizes, I can't, I, I can't win. He looks at everything. He's fighting Apollo Creed, for heaven's sakes, like fighting Muhammad Ali. I can't beat him. Who am I fooling, right? He walks back into his, his, his apartment, and he sits down on the edge of the bed and see if you can connect. Wow. This is, this is, this is really powerful. I missed it. Started at two-minute mark, Spencer. Go ahead and play it. Okay, you can stop it, Spencer. There it is. <clears throat> there it is. It connected for me, and I had never, ever connected it. When Rocky stands at the end of the movie, and he's holding the champion belt, he says what? Yo, Adrian, I did it! What did he do? What did he, went he do? Distance. He went the distance. He was still standing. Boom. He didn't care if he won. 
He said, for the first time in my life, and I'm still standing, first time in my life, I'll know I'm not another bum from the street. So he's holding up the championship belt. But that's not his victory. Boy, is there a lesson in that. That small goals lead to big goals. Bible says it's exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. When he came to the realization that he couldn't do it, he couldn't beat Creed. And he adjusted his goal, said, okay, I'm not, maybe I'm not going to be president of the United States, but I'm going to be president of the school board. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not going to win the heavyweight championship, but I'm going to be standing. And it's the, it's the accomplishment of little goals that leads to big goals. In fact, again, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask you think. Has anybody out there ever connected that? Yo, Adrian, I did it. Did what? He's still standing. Yo, Adrian. I did it. Still standing. And I think about that Rudyard Kipling's um, poem, If. If you, can, if you can face defeat and failure and treat those two impostors just the same. I was having a conversation with a, who was it? Doesn't matter, it was this weekend, um, somewhere along this weekend. Somebody mentioned the fact that, uh, that, I, that I remain positive and that I'm, I'm tenacious. It was Bobby. I think it was Bobby Lee. Bobby did a great job, by the way, as he always does. I said, Bobby, it's been my life. It's always been my life. Every Friday night for 30 years of my life, I either won or lost. Every Friday night. Every Friday night, either won or lost. And the finality of that was so harsh. If I lost, the whole next week was hell. Because the whole next week was about redemption. We got beat this week. Going to have to redeem myself, ourselves. We got to redeem ourselves and win this week. And if we win this week, then this loss back here doesn't haunt us quite as, as much. But if we win this week, I got one night to celebrate, eat some pizza, sit around and watch the film, and then I got to start this journey because there's another game next week. And if I lose again, if I lose next week, I'm going to be right back here where I was. I don't want to come back here where I was. And there's two imposters of victory and defeat. Whereas, go slide on down a little bit, Spencer. This is from Roger Kipling. Uh, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. They're both imposters. They're both temporary. Something bigger going on, right? And so I learned all throughout my life that if I get, pardon me, if I get my butt beat this week, it ain't got nothing to do with next week. It's all about whether I get up and go again. It's all about whether I learn from that defeat and get up and go again. And if I win, I, I learn very quickly that this victory ain't got nothing to do with next week. And the, the need to continually get up every day and reset your goals is so critical.
And most of us, the average person, has a very difficult time dealing with defeat. Somebody say amen. Defeat crushes most people. Rather than taking defeat as a learning experience, boy, I screwed this one up. But you know, the reality is this this screw up really ain't got nothing to do with the next thing. Only if I drag it with me. If I drag that defeat with me and I drag all those mistakes with me and I, do, and I work in that same pattern, if I keep dragging that with me, yeah, it's going to affect it. It's going to affect my mindset and I'm not going to win the next one either. I'm going to screw the next one up. And that's where so many of us in Christianity are trapped. And we spoke on Saturday, Sunday morning about hope. What is hope? We read Psalm 37, which I'm going to read here in a second. I've kind of weaved into it in there. Psalm 37, steps of a righteous man being ordered by the Lord, right? And the ability to rise up and push back against what? Defeat. Victory and defeat, treat those two imposters the same, both temporary, neither one of them ever final until the final gun goes, final gun on our, li- on our life goes. And it was the times in my life I look back when I overcame insurmountable odds, and at the end I was still standing. It was far sweeter than the victory. Yo, Adrian! Yo, Michelle! We did it! Because we're never there. We're never at the end. We're never there. Really impacted me. And to see where we are and the mess we're going through, and I listened to a couple Cliff High videos this weekend. One of them coming home. Oh, my goodness. Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, without natural affection, having a form of godliness, denying the power the power of such men turn away. For such are the same who led silly women laden with sin. It's a journey. It's not one game, it's a journey. Now we better Understand that. Bone up. And take our last defeat as a stepping stone to our next victory. What a time to be alive. Clay, come on in then, Paul. I got more. Coach, I probably wouldn't even have met you if it wasn't for that Rocky movie and some of the other ones. It had a huge, huge impact on my early life. It was like, you know, I caught the tail end of the John Wayne generation and then, uh, Rocky came along, and he was like the superhero of my generation. But what I want to say is that uh, there's a lot of backstory to Rocky, and if you ever listen to Sylvester Stallone, uh, but he wrote all those Rocky movies, and he continues to write his own script when he plays in uh, the Apollo Creed movies. But one thing he said recently, he's in his 70s, and I still listen to things he has to say, and he was trying to impress to everybody that was viewing this program I was watching, he said, if you get a chance, if you get an opportunity that comes along in your life and you're lucky enough to get one good opportunity, if you don't take it, then you may have missed that one opportunity for the rest of your life. <clears throat> you it for the rest of your life. 
Well, Clay, yeah. that's uh, Spencer. Pull up that Rudyard Kipling again. Keep going. I'm going to show you something, Clay. Go ahead. Keep going. So that's that's pretty much. You know, he wrote he wrote all his feelings into into the character of Rocky, and a lot yeah. of it has to do with his early life, overcoming. Overcoming. It wasn't about winning, was it? If you keep keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and then blaming it on you, somebody say amen on that thing. And if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, they have the right to doubt. They they deserve a little bit of evidence. And if you can wait and not get worn out by waiting, wow. Or being lied about. Don't deal in lies. Or being hated. Don't give in to hating. And yet, don't look too good, or talk too wise, or be too cocky, and yell too loud. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think, and do more than think, (laughs) do more than just think about it, and if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Because you never be it. You never win. You, you never have totally won. You've never totally lost. And if you can bear to hear the truth, you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. But watch the things you gave your life to broken. And stooped and build them up with worn-out tools. How many of you had to do that? And if you can make one heap, that's what you're talking about, Clay. If you can pile everything you have in one big pile and risk it on one pitch and toss and lose. Start again at your beginnings. Never breathe a word about the loss. You can forge your heart and your nerve and your sinew to serve your turn long after your heart and nerve and sinew are gone. And so you hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says, hold on. You can talk with crowds and keep your honesty, your virtue. Or walk with kings and not feel like you're better than they are, everybody else. And if neither your friends nor your foes can hurt you, and if all men count with you, then nobody counts too much. If you can fill that unforgiving minute, time's running out on you, with 60 seconds of distance run. If you can run in that minute with everything you've got, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. So I want to I tie this together with, with something. Go ahead. Let, let me let Paul get in here. Paul, get in then, Jerry. Go ahead, Paul. You know, you hit a lot of what I was going to, thinking but you know the thing that that i've learned in in my life is it's okay to fail yes sir you know it's nothing wrong with failure and and then also too is that a lot of times in america we glamorize 
the gold medal. Like the Olympics are coming up, and it used to be the Olympics were before they became tainted with all this stuff. But you'd see these people that win the gold medal and think, "Oh man, they're so." You know, but you don't realize the the work and the sacrifice it took to get where they were. You know, Amen. <laughs> and it's like people don't realize the nights they have to fail or they mess up or they have something going on mm-hmm. in their life outside of what they're doing, but they still mm-hmm. persevere. And sometimes we don't see those things and we just see the, the finished product. We don't realize what it took to get to that, that point. And I think that's more, more important than sometimes the success. It's what they went through and what they were willing to endure. So, so in other words, Paul, I didn't just start a podcast, did I? There's a little, there's a no, little bit right. behind the podcast before I got here, right? Six years ago. Some of you even tuning in now, you got no idea. <laughs> you got no idea. Come on, Jerry. Man, that ending to Rocky II still brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. If if there was ever an analogy of the Christian life, it would it would be Rocky. And it's the particular quote from one of Apollo Creed's managers who said, uh, when talking about Rocky, he said, this guy keeps getting hit, and he keeps coming, and he keeps coming. There's something wrong with him. And I believe he saw that spirit in Rocky, which is the spirit which dwells in us. Amen. Amen. So so this leads to, yo, Adrian, I did it. What? He's still standing. The fact that he was still standing is what Juan, he didn't carry Juan. He cared his motive was to still be standing at the end of it, right? So I, we, on our, in our Bible study yesterday morning, by the way, we had a great, <clears throat> I don't know if Larry's in here or not. Folks, we got, uh, I'm with Larry. We got to quit calling it church. We got to, we, folks, we can't even call it home church. Church is a building for heaven's sakes. It's a building. So yesterday morning, there were about 10 of us, I suppose, who gathered and had home fellowship in Linda Tibbs' home. And we started calling it, I think it's Gary Dono called it home church. So we got to stop using that. We're not a church. We're a gathering. We're in an ecclesia. We're a called out group of saints sitting together in Linda's house, sharing the burdens of our lives with one another and taking communion. This isn't a church. And the intimacy in the group it was pretty amazing. But something popped up, and I'm going to share with you. Spencer, can you pull up Psalm 91? Because this also came to me as a revelation yesterday. <clears throat> Psalm 91, thanks to Spencer. It says, He that dwelleth in a secret place of the Most High. We read this a lot, right? <clears throat> Shall dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say the Lord is my refuge. Scroll on down, right, Spencer? I want to I want to go to a specific verse. <clears throat> Keep going. There shall be no evil before thee, befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thee. Do only for he gives his angels charge over us, keep us in all thy ways. Shall upon lion adder, as the name before me, shall call upon me, I answer and be in trouble. Give <clears throat> my salvation. Maybe I'm in the wrong verse. There is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. Isn't that Psalm 91? Where is it? He that dwells in a secret place the most high. It's in Isaiah. <clears throat> Thank you, Dent. Boy, I missed that one. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 15, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. 
and every tongue that rises in judgment against you shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness of God, saith the Lord. Okay, folks. This is personal for all of you now. No weapon formed. What does that mean? Propaganda is what I say, Coach. Well, let's look at it a little bit more specifically. Let's look at Myra, because I see her on my screen right now. If I'm the enemy, I'm Rocky Balboa, and I'm taking on Apollo Creed, Myra. I'm doing an analysis of how I'm going to take Myra out. And the, and the way that I'm going to try to take Myra out is specifically a program, a fight that is designed specifically on what Myra's weakness is. So the enemy is forming weapons against you based on your weakness. Oh, don't miss this. (laughs) Don't miss it. The devil is studying the game films of you. He's studying your game films. What's your hot button? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Is it your work? Is it your finances? Is it your lack of unbelief? Is it your company that you keep? Is it the habits that you have? Your enemy is looking at you, and he is forming a weapon specifically for you. He changes his weapon every time based on who he's fighting against. And is it true or not that you find yourself always being attacked in the same way? It's fa- if your hot button issue is family, that weapon is always formed in some way, shape, or form against the family. Somebody say amen, so I know I'm talking to this right group. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Amen, coach. Amen, coach. If it's personal sin, personal temptation, the devil is forming that weapon against you. He sees your weakness. He wants to take away whatever he wants to take from you. So he's over here saying, oh, finances. Oh, finance. Oh, let's let's put a tack in his tire. Oh, let's pop his tire. Do you see it, folks? And it doesn't say that the weapon formed against you isn't going to be effective. Because it is going to be effective. (laughs) It is going to push that hot button. It is going to make you sad. It is going to make you mad. It is going to make you cry. It is going to make you lose hope. It is. It is. But it's not going to prosper. Meaning, it ain't going any farther than that. It ain't going any farther than that. You can worry all you want to about your children. It ain't going any farther than that. Why? Because no weapon that's formed against you is going to go any farther than just that worry mark. That's as far as that thing's going to go. As far as it's going to go. So we have to ask ourselves, when that same weapon, oh boy, I'm hitting it today, aren't I? Holy Spirit hitting it today. Raise your hand if you're being always hit. By the same weapon. Somebody raise your hand. Say, Dagon, it's always that same weapon. <laughs> he always, that devil knows where to get me. Why? Amen. 
His weapon is being formed or fashioned or created just against you. He knows how effective that is to do what? Ruin your faith, steal your joy, but it's not going to prosper. It's, yeah, it's going to hurt, but it ain't going to go any farther than that initial hurt or pain or reaction, unless you feed it. You continue to feed it. I can't tell you the number of worries and concerns my wife, who is all about family, has had over family. The enemy always comes the same way. Always. And then steals her joy and she's upset and worried. There's some of you out there. Can this have, this, come on, it's not just us. And then nothing happens. Why? Because that weapon didn't prosper. The worry and the fear came, but it didn't prosper. And then it comes again next week. Same thing. Different form. <laughs> Same thing happens again, but it doesn't prosper. Oh, it steals from you a little bit. It upsets you a little bit, but it doesn't get any victory over you. And the more that we can begin to realize and look around and say, hey, wow, hey, Lord, he attacked me the same way last time. It was Abby last time, now it's Maggie. Now it's Zach. He's always attacking your weakness. And part of the faith process is, hey, dude, you did that to me before. I got your number. You ain't doing it to me again. That's the that's the faith battle. Come on in, Julie. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, team. Um, when you said that, it's so true. It's like life is ten percent of what happens to us, and ninety percent how we respond to it. So At least. Yeah, and we need to just put on the full armor of God and know that He has us, and not you know, look to Him instead of the situation. Thanks. Amen. That's what faith is all about, right? Huh? It's it's like fear or courage. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the conquering of fear. If you weren't afraid, there was no reason why you'd have to have courage, right? And so you're going to find out as you sit around. This this is going to be a real epiphany for some of you. The next time that weapon's formed against you, you're going to recognize it. <laughs> now I get it. Now, devil, you know my weakness, don't you? I'm going to firm that up. You ain't getting away with that anymore. Vinny, come on in then, Paul. Silver. Coach, I, I remember when I was a kid, when I was going to church, <clears throat> I used to sing a song, and, it, it, and there were three words I remember very vividly, so I'm going to sing them. We shall overcome. You know, I remember singing right. that a lot. So, I mean, you know, that's right. we should be that's singing right. that again, right? That's right. Well, Vinny, not only that, this scripture is very personally pointed. No weapon that is formed against you. See it? Boom. Boom. It's not going to prosper. It ain't going to. And every tongue that rises in judgment against you, you're going to stand up and say, shut up, dude. Come on, Paul and Silver. Yeah, uh, you know, Coach, I know a lot of times in when you're doing self-defense class stuff, they say be aware of your situ- situational awareness. And a yes. lot of times I know for me, the Lord is teaching me to be situationally aware of what's going on in my life and certain triggers and certain things that cause me to do certain things. 
and to recognize that and to yes, sir. come against. And that's, that's why I've been learning uh, really, you know, the, for me. So the devil knows how to hit your hot button, doesn't he, Paul? Huh? He knows he's going to get a reaction out of you. And so what's he going to do? He's just going to steal your joy. That's all he's going to do. That's all he's going to do. Why? Because there's no weapons going to prosper. Doesn't say the weapon isn't going to be formed. In fact, it tells you it is going to be formed. <laughs> there is a weapon there going to be formed against you. Huh? How many of you are struggling with the same problem over and over and over? Well, why is that? Because the enemy is forming it against you. He knows where you're weak. He knows you're not very strong in your faith. Oh, oh, I remember what happened the last time. Oh, the last time they did that. There you go. He formed that weapon right at you. Silver. Coach, you know, I'm a English nut and, and trying to just get it. Diction correct and yep. punctuation and all of that stuff right. And I look at this and I go, they missed something here. I'm going to read this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Mm. Just a little different. Well, look, folks, every tongue that shall rise in judgment against thee, you shall condemn, not him. Boom. You shall condemn it. Why? Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me. In other words, he says, it's me they're attacking. And you get to attack them. You get to condemn it. It's a heritage of the Lord. And isn't it amazing? Every tongue, it's the spoken word that is so powerful that we're fighting against. Every tongue. Wow. Myra. Good morning, saints. Um, yes. Uh, James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. This is good. This is good. Can I switch gears? Let me let me switch gears with some couple things I think are unless somebody we got we got nine minutes left. Anybody wants to wants to jump? Go, in coach. Go for it. Go, coach. Okay, buddy. I'm going. I'm going to go for it. Right. Uh, I watched this this morning. Pull up the Matrix. It's two minutes. I'm going to confess to you again, I've never seen the movie The Matrix. I clearly have to. I don't know when this Matrix, when the movie was done. This is two minutes, 41 seconds, where Morpheus explains The Matrix. See if this isn't kind of where we are today. Go ahead. The Matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people 
are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was... Look again. Reason? This... This isn't the Matrix. No. It's another training program designed to teach you one thing. If you are not one of us, you are one of them. What are they? Sentient programs. They can move in and out of any software still hardwired to their system. That means that anyone we haven't unplugged is potentially an agent. Inside the Matrix, they are everyone and they are no one. We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors, they are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. Someone. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. trouble when you are ready you won't have to dodge the bullets so we're so we're in the we're coming out of the matrix all of us are coming out of that right we're coming out of that whatever that whatever this belief system is that's going on around it we're coming out of it hey Vinny or uh spencer real quick vax red states another one it's only about about four minutes it's appropriate to understand where we are. We're winning. I'm telling you, we're, we haven't won. I don't know if we're going to win, but we're winning. Did you know this? There's evidence that the U.S. government is targeting red states with their vaccinations. What? Targeting states where Trump won? Are you kidding? Go ahead. Ex-head of respiratory research at Pfizer, Mike Yeadon, and researchers including Craig Partikooper, have sourced VAERS data on vaccine death and injury in the U.S., a database of over 700,000 adverse reactions caused by the Moderna, Pfizer, and Janssen vaccines. These vaccines have been deployed in different batches, officially referred to as LOTS. This has allowed Yeadon's team to back engineer Big Pharma's COVID-19 vaccine deployment agenda in the U.S. All their information is published at HowBadIsMyBatch.com and HowBad.info. And what we learn is quite telling. About 0.5% of all the different batches are highly toxic, resulting in hospitalization, disability, and death within days or weeks of injection. Other batches cause minimal adverse reactions and most appear to be harmless placebos. When plotting on a timeline, 
we can see that these three companies have been working together to quietly monitor the lethal effectiveness of specific deadly batches. While one company is deploying a lethal batch, the other two deploy harmless ones, creating the scientific environment to perform dose range finding, or the maximum tolerated dose for each specific batch. The timeline shows that each lethal batch deployment is preceded and followed by a quiet period, allowing them time to establish their baseline before the next deadly batch is deployed. Private leaked documents from the CDC show a list of expiry dates, and only certain lots are included, the very same lots found to be highly toxic in Parta Cooper's database. Which makes sense. There would be no reason to list expiration dates for saline placebo. Only the deadly ones. This mode of deployment allows governments the ability to direct deadly batches into specific populations, such as red states. Analysis of the number of dying per 100,000 vaccinated in 50 states shows us that the overwhelming majority of vaccine deaths are happening in red states. Some red states are experiencing 11 times more vaccine deaths than other states. On average, red states are experiencing twice the amount of vaccine death and injuries than blue states. After ruling out other possibilities, Parda Cooper concluded that this can only be due to the fact that red states received at least twice as much of the lethal batches than blue states did. Among several other crimes, they are tipping the scales of the democratic process by killing people who voted against the New World Order's woke, build-back-better Great Reset, while at the same time endlessly flooding the borders with unvaccinated foreigners. And it's happening right now. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Wow, 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 Can you say, dare I say it, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants? Wow. Somebody said, said to me the other day, see, it makes perfect sense. If everybody was dying off from the vaccine, they'd, they'd get it, wouldn't they? Many people are taking the vaccine, but it's not the real vaccine. Hey, Coach, hey, maybe, Coach. The, maybe the black guy should say it. This is white genocide. How about that? Oh. How about that? White hey, Anglo-Saxon problem. Yeah, Paul. You forgot one thing, heterosexual. Heterosexual. Wow. wow, wow very wow. good point. Joe, come in real quick. I'm just going to say very quickly that this could backfire on them because in the red states, it's not always the people that they want to take them that are taking them. (laughs) That's true. It's their allies that are taking them. That's true. It's going to make the red states redder. Boy, (laughs) I'm with you, Joe. Jim, come on in. And Jack. After show, Coach. Okay, uh, Jack. This is the standard modus operandi. You have... This is this is a perfect example. Was 9/11? We keep saying, well, it was the thermite. No, it was the directed energy weapon. No, it was this because they've got it set. This is a plan. This is an accident. This didn't just happen. This didn't just materialize. This is a plan, and it's been going on since at least 1913. Wow, David Havner today at 11 o'clock. I'm Brady. I'm trying to swing over there and. Watch us over there, help boost our numbers over there. No weapon formed. The enemy is forming a weapon against you. Don't let him be successful at it, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.